Again, everyone, welcome to another episode of Cranked and Ranked, the show where two dudes rank some rock and metal related shit. <laughs> That's when you know I've hit a wall when I just say shit. Hell um, yeah. And, and today uh, we're going to be bringing you some shit from a particular year. As usual, I am Old Head, a.k.a. Steven. Or the other way around, depending on how you would like to address me. I'll answer to both. And with me, as always, is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. Yo. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you're new to this show, then uh, welcome. And also, uh, this is not a normal episode. The normal episodes are we rank the discography of a particular band from what we think is their least great to their most great. Or worst to best, depending on the band we're talking about but today um, we're actually doing another year where we pick our we used to do top five but now we're doing top 10 albums yeah. of a particular year uh, just because we re- we got to some years where all of a sudden there's so much good music that whittling it down to five is ridiculously hard and yeah. this year was one of those years today we're going to be doing the year 1990 which we've talked about before. It's a very interesting year because for the most part, it still kind of seems like the 80s when you listen to a lot of the music. Yeah. But there are some things that were happening that you could already, they already tip into what would be going on in the 90s. So it's an interesting year because it's almost like you had everything coexisting and being equally successful, I guess. Yeah. Ish. It's At the same it's time. Str- it's a strange year to look at because on the one hand, You've still got, you know, glam metal power ballads topping the charts, but also Man in the Box by Alice in Chains is out, and that's giving way to a to a completely different thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a really it's just such a it's it's right smack bang in the middle of our area of expertise, which is the late 80s and the early 90s between us. Um, also we had, I just, I just did a new episode of old headbangers ball, which will already be out by the time this episode comes out. But I talk about how in the nineties also you had, that was around the time that every band that would have fallen into the hair metal category, they mostly all had moved into being more bluesy to where they all had like a slide guitar and, (laughs) and they, their songs, they were trying to be more stripped down and bluesy and and yeah, they all they yeah. all they all did that, and so uh, you had all of those things happening at the same time, and um, a lot of it, it was really great music. I mean, I'm not just including the 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 bluesy hair stuff. I'm talking about everything, and so um, yeah, this was a really hard list, and also a very interesting list for me because I actually did a top 10 of 1990 video like two years ago, I think, or maybe a year and a half ago. And the interesting thing that happened was some of those, the, the, a lot of albums switched places, but some of them literally just dropped completely off the list. Wow. And so, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reason why 
music, I feel like music is so much more in my life than most people. Cause I think, I feel, I think most people have like top albums and they don't ever change, but mine, a few of them will always stay the same, but th- things are always coming in and out of my life and things that, you know, were important at one time and then they weren't and then they came back into my life or things that I didn't give a chance to and then I did or just a different viewpoint on albums and bands and and all of that shit it's like it just seems like every other year I could just do a new top 10 albums of of, you know in general and it's it's all it's just like an ever changing revolving door of awesome shit and usually the top ones don't change but in this case um, I'm going to throw you, throw you a little bit of a hint here. The top one did change. So, wow. um, so without further ado though, um, we don't really have to talk about, you know, in 1990, like, you know, you weren't born. I, yeah, was, I had another eight years yet. <laughs> yeah. I was 12 in 1990. And so I was listening to a lot of music, but in 1990, I was listening to stuff like Guns N' Roses and Anthrax and, um, as you do. <laughs> and Faith No More a lot. Yeah. Um, King's X, uh, Living Color. Like that was, you know, that was the shit that I was listening to. And um, so, uh, but yeah, it was it was a cool year, even, even back then for discovering music. So without further ado, because we've got 10 albums each, top 10, but then we also have honorable mentions. I've whittled down my honorable mentions to just five albums. Eddie didn't do that, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think that's that that shows the differences in our brains because I'm so OCD about everything that everything has to be even like my 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 wife shared me this meme, <laughs> this meme where it talks about the volume on your TV. Yeah. And it was talking about having the volume at a random number. And then the next one was having the volume at an even number. And then the last one was having the volume at a multiple of five. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fucking me. Like I can't, if there, it's always going to be on some number of five when, it, when I do the volume. Well, I kind of did the same thing, but I, I have no restraint. So I just went for 20, which is technically an even number and a multiple of five. Oh, okay. Well, then they're, they're, it's going to work perfectly then. Hell yeah. So, so uh, well yeah. oiled machine. Yeah, let's <laughs> let's dive right into it as usual. I'm going to let um, Edward Sparks, Sparks the first, um, Edward J. Sparks the first, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> um, lead us off with his number 10 album from 1990. Cool. So my number 10 1990 album is mm-hmm. Smell the Magic by L7. Nice. All right, cool. So this album is it's a cool one because it kind of hits the mark for me in three different ways. Mm-hmm. It scratches three separate itches with grunge, metal, and punk. Because, like, the riffs, the way they're written, they're very metal, but the approach is very punk, and the aesthetic overall is just that really cool early 90s. We don't give a fuck but they also kind of have this badass attitude at the same time. They were, they mm. weren't as, they weren't as apathetic as some grunge bands. Cause some were like, Oh, like we don't give a shit in the regard of, I don't care if I wake up tomorrow. These guys were just like, we're going to party. Fuck it. I don't have to do my hair up. I'm just yeah. going to turn up dressed. Like I just left work 
at a thrift store, you know, and it's, it, it's a really cool vibe to the album too. It's really raw. Um, tracks like Fast and Frightening, Death Wish, Just Like Me, they're probably my favorite tracks on there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's nothing fancy. It's just hard rocking Riot Girl action. And it, it just blows the fucking door down every time I hear it. Yeah, and you made, you made a really interesting point because you did say, you know, metal played like it's punk rock. I almost feel like that is what grunge is. Yeah, yeah, that's it's it's that like middle ground between the two. Yeah, where like they've got Ooh, the that's a nice cup. You guys can't see this, but I don't have one of those cups, and it's it's, it's the Metallica and beer for all cup. Hell wow. yeah, I got, I got it at uh, the Twickenham twenty nineteen stadium show nice all right sorry i derailed us we were talking about l7 Uh, (laughs) but yeah um yeah some really cool stuff on it uh danita sparks crazy you know crazy front woman Susie gardner too you know they're 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 a great band and like it's not technical music in any way it just fucking feels good and it it's it's great this is a great breaking the speed limit album. It's one of those mm-hmm. where a lot of the songs I just think to myself, you know, I'm on a I'm on a quiet road. The sun's going down. Nobody appears to be around. I could I could sneak up to about seventy if I'd like to. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a great album. I love it. It's it's pretty straight ahead, but it's got a really cool shout along punky vibe with pretty metaled up riffs so yeah. yeah it's a it's a cool album yeah t- totally is and and that's a band i don't know if it's the same four girls or women sorry um they're, but they're i think they're <laughs> still going today i think they just put out something new yeah they they split up for a while and then yeah. got back together and they did, they did a documentary that was really cool as well. I saw I think, that. Um, yeah, yeah. There's there's some footage of them hanging out with uh, Faith No More, which is cool too. Yeah. And they it, they go on stage and they dress up like Mike Patton during the Angel Dust era. <laughs> and I I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's Danita Sparks that walks out and she's um just like crouching around doing the Mike Patton poses. Like she'd slick their hair back. She penciled on a mustache. It's hilarious. That's awesome. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a kickoff for this, um, episode. My, my number 10, this is the one that kept out albums from my honorable mentions kept swapping in and out of number 10. Yeah. And finally I just had to throw up my hands and say, look, that this is, I'm not changing this again. Cause I just couldn't decide. <laughs> it was really hard to decide. And so um, finally, I just I decided on my number ten being "Twisted into Form" by Forbidden, oh, which yeah. is uh, killer. We did a Forbidden cranked and ranked. If you're interested in that, you can find that. Um, we did their whole discography, so we went into a lot more detail about this album. But um, it's their second album, and it's more technical than the first. I don't really necessarily like the production as much. There's a, a, a kind of a raw, raw production on the first one that I enjoy. This one's a little more clean, but a lot of albums in 1990, they had that very clean production. I would imagine that's probably following in the footsteps of what justice did, you know, yeah. justice for all. They probably all heard it and thought, wow, that sounds tight. Let's, 
see, you know, maybe keep the base, but aside from that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, but twisted into form is like, it's, it's, it's got so many killer songs on it. Just even the beginning, the first, you know, proper track infinite is just, Oh man. So amazing. Yeah. And then goes straight into uh, out of body, out of mind. And then step by step, it's just, um, a, a killer moment after killer moment. And, um, Forbidden's a band that like we've, as we said in the episode we did on them, they, they, they should be mentioned with other thrash bands a lot more than they are. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like they, people just don't know them that well. Cause like sometimes people will name yeah. thrash bands and then they'll, they'll say, you know, I, I hate that I pick on this band, but I have to, they'll mention overkill and they don't mention a band like forbidden. And I go, I think it's just cause you don't know <laughs> because, <laughs> because overkill is fine, but the caliber of music, the quality of the music that Forbidden put out on every one of their albums is insane, and Twisted Into Form is just just one of those killer albums. Yeah, um, I don't even remember if th- this may have been my number one in that ranking. I don't really remember. Maybe I should go back and listen to that episode that we did. <laughs> um, but either way, it's a killer album, and so um, it made it into the top ten at number ten. Twisted Into Form. That's awesome. Yeah. On on. Uh, so for my number nine, on the complete opposite end of the uh, heavy metal spectrum, yeah, I have Firehouse, <laughs> the, the the first Firehouse album. Does that right? have? I finally found the love yeah, of a lifetime. That's the, that's, that's the one. <laughs> but don't it's be a panty dropper by the, right there. Hell yeah, but don't be don't be fooled by the balladry because this album is in my opinion one of the best if not the best produced glam metal albums of all time. Yeah. The mix sounds obese. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like I on, like that. <laughs> on, on on the actual like on the actual metaled up hard rock songs on here like don't treat me bad as a good song and all, but it didn't do the actual hard rocking songs on here justice. Like it, it kind of gave the the singles they picked kind of did this album a disservice with like you know maybe the notable exception of all she wrote, but there are some groovy ass riffs on here. The yeah. drum sound is exactly how I want mine to sound on a stadium rock album, and the guitar tone is. Is the rhythm guitar tone is insane. Mm-hmm. There are parts. There are parts where they'll hit like a pinch harmonic and a riff, and I think Dimebag would be. That's approaching that level of heaviness in the tone. Yeah, maybe not in the songwriting, but God, this album. If all you've heard from Firehouse is like the odd ballad or "Don't Treat Me Bad." Skip those songs. Listen to the rest of the album. Oh my god, the production on this and the the actual hard rocking hair metal songs on here are so fucking good. And honestly, I'm gonna go ahead and put my hand up and say it's one of my favorite snare drum sounds of all time. Nice. So is like, is it, Firehouse an, an an original band or is it one of those bands that has famous people from something else in it? I'm I'm pretty sure they're they're original. Actually, I'll 
On the fly research, people. Because I go. remember there were bands that were popping up, you know, like your damn Yankees and shit that would come out, and I and they was yeah. you know always featuring somebody that w- used to be in Night Ranger or used to be in Journey or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Hardline is that the band that had the dude from Journey in it? Um, the, That's it was, the one. Yeah, there was all these bands popping up, and it would be like a new kind of heavier Super band. Groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's. Um, I mean, you got the singer CJ Snare. Uh, CJ Snare, that's that is, his name. That CJ is a hell Snare. of a name. Hell yeah! I think you need to, to change your name. names. If fuck Eddie Sparks, you're gonna be CJ Snare. <laughs> CJ Tom. <laughs> <laughs> CJ Bass. <laughs> um, yeah, they put out like they put out two awesome albums mm-hmm. in the in the early '90s, but it's just. It really is a casualty of its of its release. Uh, yeah, it's September eleventh, nineteen ninety. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> that's a that's a joke <laughs> for the that's a joke for the Americans. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it eleven years from now. <laughs> Jeez. Um, um, but yeah, yeah, it's a killer album, dude. Um, also, the album art is hilarious to me. Like, it's got a full on. Like milf on the front cover, holding a match with like a burning farmhouse behind her. It's 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 something. Get it, firehouse. Like, yeah, Fire, not, <laughs> we're not talking about the firehouse like Kiss was talking about, where the there. It's actually they're going to come and put the fire out. This is we're going to go set the house on fire with our rock and roll. Hell, yeah. I have to admit, like I, did, I didn't give this album a chance ever because I literally thought they were soft rock. Which I have yeah, no problem that. with it because I like I love of a lifetime is a really great ballad. I like some some ballad. I love some some sappy shit every once in a while. That's that's the thing though. It it's one of the most juxtaposed ballads in like hard rock history because yeah. like there are songs on here. Rock on the radio. All she wrote. Shake and tumble. Um, Ought to be a law. Lovers lane. There's like there's double kick on lovers lane. It's so fucking man this album rules it's so i'm guessing underrated. i'm guessing it, it's that same sort of thing as the as extreme fell into because you know more than yeah. words doesn't sound like anything else on that album <laughs> so yeah, you, yeah. You, you're going to buy it and you're like what is this these the, these songs are not they're not all sweet songs they they're it, it really is one of those situations yeah like honestly the soft songs that people know from this album are probably my least favorite songs yeah. on the album. Yeah, the rest of, the rest of it rocks hard. Well, you know so, what? Yeah. If you if you manage to write a song that gets included on Monster Ballads, then you're um, good enough for me. Set for life. <laughs> that was a that was a very important compilation when it came out for me because it was like. I believe it was the late '90s or early 2000s when Monster Ballads first came out. And you'd see TV commercials be like, you know, where they yeah. they have all the songs scrolling up, and it would be like, you know, order now, you know, twenty twenty nine ninety nine for two CDs or whatever, you know. And my <laughs> my buddy bought it, and we would like get friends over to the house to like play cards or dominoes or whatever. 
And we would always put that on and get really drunk and sing along to all the songs. But we would do, yeah. he would do the the harmonies with me on like more than words and high enough and stuff yeah. to, to the point where I just, I was just like, man, that's, that's, I can't, I like, every time I listen to those songs, I'm like, it's great. I just wish I had somebody next to me to sing the harmony part with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never, we listened to the, we, we wore that fucking shit out, man. Anyway. Hell yeah. We, I've got, I've got, um. I think it's called Soft Metal. It ain't heavy <laughs> on cassette. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a that's a pretty cool uh late 80s ballad compilation. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Um cool. all right. Well then moving on to my number nine. We're once again we're moving, I'm moving away from uh from you. And um this is also one of the rare occasions where uh we're not gonna talk about anything rock related for a minute. Um hey. my, my number nine is uh the album Fear of a Black Planet by public enemy and cool. it is the best public enemy album i it arguably i don't i think uh, apocalypse 91 might be my favorite public enemy album but it has its flaws whereas fear of a black planet there's something about it there's yeah it, it takes you on a journey because there are there's so many different moods of songs on here because you expect to get songs like welcome to the terror dome which is a fucking classic that's the kind of thing that you sort of expect from public enemy but then you get stuff like even 911 as a joke is a little bit different but you get songs like poly wanna cracker which is like the most sort of like it's kind of weird when you first hear that song um, but it just goes through, and some of them are like really short little songs that just, they, 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 it's, a, they, they come in and out and they move on to the next one very abruptly. It's almost got yeah. like a, at times like a, an Abbey road feel to it where the end of Abbey road has like all those little songs. Um, I guess yeah. the beastie boys did that too on Paul's boutique, but, um, but it just has that thing where it almost feels like it was just a, it's like a, a statement that just doesn't necessarily let you get comfortable with anything but every little thing that it throws your way to me is just absolutely classic. And I'll, and I'll, and then it wraps it up with the song fight the power, which is one of the most famous, um, public enemy songs that was, I believe they wrote it for the movie, do the right thing, which is an amazing movie and fight the power has like, this is probably everybody's favorite public enemy lyric, but it's one of mine is the, the Elvis was a hero to most, uh, what the fuck was the hell? But it but never meant shit to me. See, straight up races. That sucker was simple and plain. Motherfuck him and John Wayne. And like every time <laughs> I hear that part, I'm like, hell yeah, because fuck Elvis <laughs> and John Wayne. So it's I just love that part of the because I mean, as soon as soon as I did the Elvis was a hero to most, my my brain went to uh, at living color. Yeah, but that's yeah, beside the, the point. <laughs> Which interestingly <laughs> enough was the same year. Came out the same year, um, but they're referencing Public Enemy in their song. So that's you know that's how powerful Fight the Power was immediately um, when mm. it came out. But anyway, entire album's fucking a classic, um, and I also really love the album cover. It's it, I'm, I'm a sucker because like a lot of hip hop album covers, they it's kind of just a picture of the people that are rapping on it, and maybe their DJ or something. But this is like legit, you know, it almost could be yeah. a metal cover, you know. I always thought the same thing. It has kind of like a, you could pretty much put 
any Thrash logo in in place of the Public Enemy logo, and it would look fine. It would it would fit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great album cover, great album. Um I I feel like this is one that if you listen to any hip hop, you've probably heard this album already and it's just it's amazing. Amazing album from an amazing group, one of the best hip hop groups ever and one of the best hip hop albums ever. And that's my number 9 Fear of a Black Planet. Cool. So ju- jumping back into the thrash zone. Yeah. For my for my number 8. Yeah. It is uh, <laughs> I mean it's Metallica <laughs> family. <laughs> <laughs> that is is that a reference to that very famous video of him at like what was it like download or sonosphere 2012 he, he or something se- it, there was a was year like, where it seemed like he did that at every show like he would yeah, at the end, it, at the end it goes of it. on it goes on like uncomfortably long and he starts like running out of ways to say it yeah and he's just start like a family <laughs> it's like it's so fucking Oh, uh, we lo- we love him. Yeah, he's he he meant show. well. He meant well, and honestly, yeah. and I and I feel like I'm part of the family. <laughs> anyway, with that, we're not even. <laughs> there's no Metallica yeah. albums in 1990, but we we still managed to <laughs> fucking put them into the episode anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, this this is a big four album. Okay, and it is Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer. Sweet, great album. This is. In case anybody uh, hasn't has or hasn't heard our Slayer episode, this is my favorite Slayer album. Uh, my I I don't remember specifically whether or not I put Seasons or South of Heaven. They're on a pretty even thing for me. I don't know, but I don't to me now, yeah, nowadays Seasons in the Abyss is my is my top because it's like it's the perfect blend of fast stuff from Rain and Blood and the slow stuff from South of Heaven. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, they did the two extremes with the previous album, but this is where, I mean, this kind of led to, it, it's probably the most accessible Slayer album. Sure, it's, yeah, it's I'd, quite ho- I'd go with that. For what it's worth, it is, it is hooky compared to, you know, previous and later Slayer, because um, there's parts in it like Expendable Youth, where I'm just thinking, wow, this is, this is catchy as hell. Um, Dead Skin Mask too. Mm-hmm. Like this is a chorus, chorusy album, really. Yeah. When when you think about it, because a lot of Slayer before and since has been like, like this one is like you'll have those moments, but it's probably. It, by Slayer standards, it's probably the most melodic album too. Yeah, I, I, you, a, but you make a, a point. You make a way. good point. When it comes to Slayer, this is their most big chorus kind of album. Like I'm trying to think of it. Like yeah, like every most songs, some of them are, aren't quite as big. But fucking War Ensemble, that is a big ass chorus on that song. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 crazy how catchy this album is because it's yeah. almost like. It, it shouldn't be like yeah. it, it has no it, it has no right being this catchy and this extreme at the same time. But hell, they pulled it off. They they pulled out all the stops and made, you know, on the heavier end of this of the thrash spectrum, ended up making one of the catchiest albums in the genre. And it's and it's crazy they pulled it off. But mm-hmm. hell, that it is. I mean, that album is an artistic statement, if ever I've seen one. It was like, yeah, we showed you we can do fast. 
we showed you we can do slow. We did both really well, but let's be the really heavy, scary band, but also have people sing along to it now. Yeah. And it, that's, that's what I love about this album, is that it just hits the, hits the trifecta. Well, they, fast, slow, catchy. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> them and a lot of other bands, I, I, think, I think that's the number one thing that happened with a lot of those bands. Is they, they got better at what they did, and so the songwriting got better. And I think yeah. that that's the big thing that irks a lot of metalheads is that they don't want good songwriting. They just want some, <laughs> some riffs jammed together and some shouting over the top of them with a solo, yeah. and then that's all you need to do. Whereas Slayer, at least for this album, well, maybe they got better as they went on. But obviously, after that, I think Slayer started to get a little lost about who what they were doing. But it may have even been at the time that they were at, you know, they had fans that were just like, well, you guys got to write like catchy songs. I thought you were into <laughs> Satan. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's a fucking great album. So I agree with everything that you just said. Cool. So. Oh, all right. Well, handing then we, it over to you. We're going to stay in thrash metal. Although this album is one of those ones that um, putting the thrash metal term on it, I kind of go. It's got some thrash on it. It's got a lot of other shit on it too. And it is uh, another one that I'll get into it when I talk about the album. My number eight <laughs> is uh, Act Three by Death Angel. Ah. And I, this album is so fucking good in all these ways that I think most people don't even know. Because I really feel, because it starts off with seemingly endless time, which is a great, it's a fast, fast, fast thrash in it. And it's, you know, it's a real, it's a real good opening song. Yeah. And so I think because of that, a lot of people are like, yeah, classic thrash. And then they put this album cover al along with all of their other classic thrash, but you get into the album, there's funk on it. There's a yeah. ballad on it. There's songs that literally just don't have any thrash in them. Many of them don't. And they have, there's a lot of interplay between the main vocalist and I believe one of the guitarists who does backing vocals. And they, it, it's, it's one of those albums that it's a, it's a lot to unpack if you're just wanting straightforward thrash because it's not. And um, this, I, I just love the fact that this album, every time I listen to it, there are things about it that I didn't remember from the time before. And I'm just like, yeah, oh yeah. And and it's just because they I feel like these guys, they got signed to a major, they worked with Max Norman, a really great producer. And I feel like they were still they were young, but they were once again a band that was getting really good at what they were doing. And they were just like, We got all these ideas. Let's just fucking do them. Let's do all these ideas. Yeah. And so it's almost like you can hear the experimentation and the the confidence that they had in in throwing all these things together into this package that is unlike any other thrash album, in my opinion. There, there are other bands, obviously, that, that you know, dabbled in the funk area and gave you different vibes, but I feel like this is the most all-over-the-place in the best way possible thrash album. And it makes me a little bit sad about Death Angel because after this album, you know, they were on tour and they got into a really bad accident and then they broke up. Yeah. Um, and they got back together later on 
And every album they've done since then has been that more modern take where it's real. They're playing it too close to these rules and what they're doing. And if you listen to the first Death Angel album and then you listen to Frolic in the Park and then you listen to Act 3, they were all about doing interesting things. And then somehow that just went out the window. Now they don't. Now they're not as samey as some bands. Now they do still have a, a variety on some of their tracks, but it just makes me sad because I'm like, if they had never been in that van accident, would they have done a black album? I know that's a dirty term to some people. Would they have <laughs> actually made that leap to where they made a massive fucking album that everybody in the fucking world knows? I'd be um, quite interested to go into to do like kind of a deep dive into some uh what if this had happened. We could do that as like a kind of episode. This this is one of our uh in-show meetings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome to be a fly on the wall at this particular meeting. Yeah, I'd quite like to do that. Like a like an alternate history kind of thing. Especially when it comes to th- to especially when it comes to events that were out of the band's control. Cause like I, yeah. I can understand like if, if everyone's on drugs and the band breaks up, that's their own fucking fault. But, um, a, a van accident that, you know, debilitates the, I think it was the drummer that was really badly injured. Mm. And, um, but it's just, it makes me kind of sad because the, if they, those first three death angel albums to me are amazing. And now they just put out pretty good stuff and it's just, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit, but it, but it doesn't take away the fact that we have Act 3, and Act 3 is an album that I implore everybody to go listen to all the way through because it is the kind of album that if it came out today, so many metal fans would be pissed at this album. Um, wow. And, and I love it. I love it for that. But it's, but it's also got some killer thrash on it too. But it's, it's an amazing album, and that's why it is my number eight, Act Three. Cool. So my number seven is an album we 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 didn't talk about too long ago, and uh, that is "Times Up" by Living Color. Ah, yeah. I love this album. It takes their sound from Vivid, but goes way out there on expanding off of uh-huh. it. So there's some really really cool weird stuff on it. Yeah, and. In terms of experimentation, like you said, so many of the songs just kick ass, dude. Mm-hmm, like there, mm-hmm. there are there. You got the funk metal kind of thing going, but they up the thrash sometimes. They up the jazz. They up the oh, man. Like there's so many different elements to this band that just make them so good. And how like. There's a, a song on there with, you know, featuring Queen Latifah. And, <laughs> yeah. And Little Richard on Elvis is Dead. Like, Type is an absolute tune. Uh-huh, um, agreed. You get, you can't, you can't, you have to talk about Love Rears Its Ugly Head. Like, one of, yep. I mean, I think it's a, it's a fan favorite, but it's, a, it's just an amazing song. There's, I I mean, it's no, it's probably no secret to anybody that we're going to talk about this album again in a little bit. (laughs) So I'll let you go. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah. There's a lot of like little interludes on it as well. Uh, Yeah. But the fact, like the fact that you can have a song like Time's Up, like the title track and Solace of You on the same record is just such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like this, 
this is one of those albums that throws the rule book in the trash and lights it on fire because it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just really love Living Colors core sound and they really... This is a prime example of a band not staying in their comfort zone because Vivid, Vivid has a vibe and Time's Up has a vibe too. But Time's Up has so many different flavors to it, whereas I find that, you know, Vivid is, uh, is a more consistent thing. Mm -hmm. But Time's Up, when you listen to that, at least the first few times through, you still kind of don't know what you're expecting. Yeah. There'll be a, there'll be a moment in a song. Like, it, it, what, what a statement to open the album with Time's Up as yeah. well, because... It starts out kind of funky and then just goes full hardcore punk. And then this like weird, I don't know how to describe it. It's just this kind of like crazy world music breakdown <laughs> section. Yeah. Um, fucking madness, but in the best of ways. And that's, I feel like this album kind of sits between... It, it it's a it's like almost Mr. Bungle levels of experimentation where they'd like sure. switch up genres. Yeah. But like it feels more nowhere nowhere as, near as breakneck. Well, yeah. yeah, as much as I love Mr. Bungle, like with Living Color, it seems it seems natural. Whereas with Mr. Bungle, it seems like, hey, look how weird we are. You know, yeah. well, I don't think Living <laughs> Color ever meant that at all. The music just came out how it came out. Yeah, it it, it always comes off like that that's the thing i said about their comfort zone they could be comfortable playing anything yeah and but it's like they want to resist that as much as possible at the same time mm -hmm. so they always end up with these cool um hybrids of songs um but they're they're also unique enough to be identifiable with a single riff so that's why time's up made this top 10 list Awesome. I mean, yeah, it's an amazing yeah. album. Go, go listen to our ranking, ranking of living color. Um, all right. So, so the next one, this is in, I, I, it's not really cheating, but, um, I didn't include this in when, back when we did 1989, because the album technically came out in the U.S. in 1990, but it did come out, I believe, in the U.K. in 19 at the end of 1989. But I'm gonna I'm including it here because I live in America, and this was an album that, at the time, this thing, this album was huge for me because I'm I'm building up to it. Um, this is another another different vibe kind of album because I was listening to metal and hip hop. And stuff like, you know, like Living Color and all these 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 things. And this album came out and it was just like, fuck, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. Um, the album is called Mental Floss for the Globe and the band is called Urban Dance Squad. Hey. And they are, uh, it's a Dutch band, but they are really hard to categorize because there's so much, there's so much of a hip hop element Deeper in it. Deeper shade of soul. Fuck yeah, on this album, <laughs> and um, and I'm yeah. So that I didn't know, I, I didn't hear this until 1990, and so therefore it's included in my 1990 list. 
Um, but j- just the different places that this album goes, it's still it's got like a funkiness. They have a they have a full band. They have a guy who would who is a rapper, but occasionally yeah. occasionally he can sing if he wanted to. And on later albums by Urban Dance Squad, he did sing uh, more often. But just the combination of rock and funk and hip hop, and it's done so well. It, it's this is an album that I. I almost it almost baffles me that this isn't still something that everybody talks about. Uh, I'm assuming yeah. probably over in the Netherlands or whatever. It it um that's where the Dutch come from, right? No, that's not. Where are the Dutch from? <laughs> <laughs> is it uh is it Denmark? Denmark. I should fucking know that. What is it? <laughs> no, da- that's Danish people from the Denmark. We're both idiots. Oh. Uh, hey, where are the Dutch from <laughs> the Netherlands. We were. I was we right the right. first time. Shit, man. Hey. All right. I, I feel better. You are the one that looks like an idiot, and I love it. It makes me feel better because te- normally, yeah, I, normally I, the Brits are looked at as is more intelligent than us American folk. As one of them, I can categorically tell you that is not the case. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, I think it was. I think it's still probably a big thing over in their home country. But over here, like people don't talk about it. And I'm like, well, this was just as ahead of its time as Faith No More and Living Color and whatever band you want to throw in from that time period. And this shit holds up today. Like this is an album that I've probably listened to every year since it came out. And yeah. And it never, it never is something that I go, oh, I'm kind of, you know, I've heard this too much. No, no song on here has been overplayed. It just flows and feels fucking great. And it's just, a, it's a classic. It is, it is, Urban Dance Squad is a band that I'd like to eventually rank. They only have like five albums, I think, so that would be a short one. But um, I just love it. I, I love everything about it. And um, I think they did actually tour with Living Color. So that was, that would have been a fucking Killers. Living Color jumped on so many cool tours. They toured with Anthrax. Yeah. Like there's all these all these bands that came into contact with each other in the late 80s and early 90s and I'm just like, man, I was a, I was too young to ever go to any shows, but all these great <laughs> tours happened. And so, yeah, it's whatever. Anyway, uh Urban Dance Squad, it, Mental Floss for the Globe. If you don't know it, do yourself a favor. Um you may know the song Deeper Shade of Soul. It was a pretty big hit at the time, but the whole album is fucking great, and that's why it is my number seven. Awesome. So my number six, approaching the halfway point here, um, uh-huh. we have our our first, not necessarily matchup, but you've, at, you've had this one, and okay. it is Twisted Into Form by Forbidden. Nice. This Can't get is... enough forbidden love. Wait, that sounded weird. <laughs> <laughs> Forbid love of the band Forbidden on this podcast. <laughs> Eddie and I do not have a forbidden love. Although <laughs> these days there is no forbidden love. You love who you want, unless it's an animal. Don't don't love an animal because they didn't they didn't ask for that. This is Go this ahead, has sorry. been this has been a PSA. <laughs> time for another public service announcement <laughs> just a reminder don't fuck animals 
That needs that needs to be a merch <laughs> item now. We need to sell shirts with that. <laughs> this message is endorsed by Cranked and Ranked. I'll, um, I'll, end- I'll endorse the not fucking animals thing for the rest of my life. I think that's a good cause for us to, to hang our hats on. I don't know, man. Some of those cows in the field next door <laughs> do be looking kind of sexy right now. You got a field next door? Yeah, this is welcome to rural Britain. There's cows in my back garden. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, twisted into form, forbidden. It's uh, yeah. one one of, if not the best album I've discovered through this show. Because when we did the forbidden cranked and ranked episode, go check that out. Um, I was completely forbidden blind. I was going in with fresh ears because I'd never heard any of the songs. And fucking hell was it life-changing because I now have, especially the first two albums, I just Mm -hmm. come back to and think, good God, you're you're right. This should be huge in the thrash community. And and Mm -hmm. it's it's much deserving of, of, of a lot more airtime. Um, and this is just awesome thrash metal with plenty of proggy twists to it. Mm. Like there are, again, it's got hooky moments, but there's so much badass technical stuff in there going on. And there'll be changes in riffs. Like there's that part in, um, infinite where where it's like you hear him whisper nothing changes like all those parts in in there that just really add to it because i find with with some thrash bands there you either go down the straight ahead speed route or you go down the actually i've studied music theory route (laughs) where (laughs) where you can start composing shit like a like a classical you know composer even and that there's like let me look at the track listing on this album and and really i I really do think that the the best bands find that middle ground between technicality and 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 you know virtuosity and just remembering that there needs to be a song yeah you know for sure and it's it's funny as well this, this isn't um I mean, it, it's the length of a of a of a good album. It's like forty minutes ish, because um, yeah. a lot of the songs are like Metallica song length, anywhere between four and a half to like eight minutes. Um, and there's two like instrumental interludes on the album. One being "Part of the Ways" at the beginning, and then "Spiral Depression" a little bit later on. But it's just such a it's it's a, a really well crafted album. There's I don't think there's a wasted riff anywhere. Um nah. you know, and um God, what's the what's the singer called? Russ Anderson. He's got such yeah. a he's got such a killer commanding voice. Like one of my favorites. It, every single line is like one of those um invisible orange yeah. Like, like you mentioned, uh, every time I I hear the evil that revolves around our universe, yeah. evil. I've thought about making a, a mashup 
Um, don't steal this, anyone, because I'll probably make this <laughs> right after. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you have a kid. You, you've seen SpongeBob, right? Yep, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, Mermaid Man? Uh, yeah. the, the superhero, you know, whenever they say, whenever someone says evil, it's like a trigger word and he has like yeah. a PTSD moment. Uh, I've thought about like putting him over the top of, uh, evil, evil, like over the top of infinite, just, yeah. as, a, just as a laugh. But yeah, you should, you should do that. that that's it. That's, that's a thing now it's out in the world. I'm going to make it, um, <laughs> Uh, also, yeah. Russ Anderson's really – he has such an inc- incredible range because he is a, a vocalist that when they made the change to doing more groove metal style stuff, yeah. he was able to nail that too. Mm. Like he's – that's why he's one of my favorite vocalists because he was able to he, – he seems like he could just sing anything and it would yeah. sound fucking great. Hell to the yeah. His, his voice is killer. Like all of the mm-hmm. – all of the performances on this record are incredibly well played. Yeah, um, and I believe, yeah. and and this this one still has Bostoff on on drums, right? I believe. I th- I think so. Yeah, yeah. Paul Bostoff is still on drums. I think the only um, the only lineup change is uh, Tim Calvert replacing uh, Glenn Alvale on mm-hmm. guitar. Um, yeah, and it, great. Yeah, album. It, it's 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 fucking killer, dude. Even even the the slower, more moody moments on here, they're still so. I feel like when they pull back, it's frighteningly good. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I don't know. It, like, there's parts in uh, One Foot in Hell to, and Twisted into Form where, like, he he does the operatic thing as well, like da, 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 perfect world, and it's yeah. it's just so fucking cool. Like this. It it this band deserves way more credit than they get. I'm telling you, they're 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 criminally underrated. Exactly, and that's why they made it halfway up this list of absolute classics from this jam packed year. That yeah, just yeah, it rules. <laughs> well, shit, we're gonna be moving from one criminally underrated thrash band to another criminally underrated thrash band for my number six. I think I know where this is going. My number six album is the album Obnoxious by Acid Rain. Knew it. And it is, it's my favorite Acid Rain album. It's the most technical Acid Rain album. It's also, um, I would say um, up until the most recent one, like it's the best sounding one, but I think their most recent one, I I like the sound of it actually even more, which is crazy because it's a modern album. But obnoxious is just it's got it's so ambitious in so many ways and they pull everything off and it's got songs on it that are so kind of complicated and weird with the guitars that the current lineup of acid rain they won't play some songs just because they can't figure out what they're playing on the guitar (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like that's a testament for the dudes that wrote the riffs on this and um, it is just one of those ones that gets better with every listen, but it's not its not one to go to if you're just wanting some fun thrash and, you know, in and out thrash metal because it's got yeah. really long songs. It's got songs that kind of go all over the place. Um, you know, yeah, if it's you a little be bit talking more, about... 
It's a little bit more conceptual than you never know when the nibbles will stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, um, there is st- there is still a little bit of fun. I mean, at the end of it, they they bust into just complete like funk or almost like disco sounding shit at the end of the last song. But it's um, but uh, it's it's just an amazing record. And I've talked about Acid Rain a lot in on my channel, and um, and I now do a show with Howard H. Smith, the vocalist of Acid Rain, um, a monthly review show um which is actually good for me because i hate doing album reviews but now i have a way to do them where i enjoy it so i'm like sweet (laughs) i don't gotta worry about that anymore um so yeah if you haven't watched that it's called old bollocks and it's on my youtube channel and we're gonna be putting one out probably the beginning of every month and anyway but that aside from that before i ever knew howard h smith as a person i was a fan of his and his band um, m- mostly because of this album. Like I like everything that they did in the original run of the band, but, um, this one for some reason is just, um, it's one of, it's an album that I don't, I, it, it, I, it blows my mind that not more people talk about it. And I think maybe it's the album cover, which is weird because I like the album cover, but I think I can understand in 1990, everyone had gotten so used to these big Ed Repka <laughs> album yeah. covers or whatever that they come out with this thing that's just a pink cover with the words obnoxious coming at you. And I love it because it sticks out. Like it doesn't like you have so many metal bands that you could, if you take the name off of the album cover and show it to me, I'll go, I don't know who fuck is it. Who is a sabotage? Like who's this? It's like, you know, no fucking clue, but you look at this album cover and you absolutely know what it is. So that to me, it's a fucking classic album cover. One of uh, I think I, I think I tagged you in this. I showed you that, um, Putting the bolt thrower logo on eighties eighties <laughs> toys, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that is fucking great. Go check, go yeah. check that out. Yeah. So, but yeah, I've 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 talked about this album enough. It's amazing. Um, go listen to it if you haven't. Obnoxious by Acid Rain is my number six. Cool. So my number five is Ritual Delo Habitual. By Jane's Addiction. Oh, yeah. Great one. So I discovered this band way too late in the game. Yeah. GTA San Andreas, that yeah. is. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, like I'd always known being caught stealing from the game's soundtrack, but an amazing album as a whole was just hiding from me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I guess I just never caught the Jane's Addiction bug until I heard um, Mountain Song, which isn't on this album. So nothing shocking. But, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, This album, though, holy shit. Like, there's there's all the vibey stuff on it that I love about this era, and I have no idea where it was this entire time. Yeah. (laughs) Because there's just so many things about it that just nails it for for me taste wise from the from the early 90s like grunge alt metal thing mm-hmm. like there's so many cool psychedelic moments um but there's enough like metal riffage in there to also give it that edge that i just love about this era like yeah. stop no one's leaving ain't no right um there's which one is it is it um of course that's like a full-on um 
Indian um, psychedelic hanging out with Ravi Shankar vibe. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's just such a... Like, it, the thing as well that gets me is that they weren't afraid to both have like pop length songs and then all of a sudden oh yeah the next three are 10 8 and 7 minutes long yeah <laughs> and um this is just one of those this is just one of those times where the band was firing on all cylinders this this album just except really, for except really for apparently cool. they were all completely fucked up on drugs the whole time from the from what i read Help. I mean, that's probably why it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really cool album. Yeah, um, uh, this is I got into them on this album in 1990. This was another one. Unfortunately, this is one that I had to leave out of my list because it just didn't it didn't make the cut. But that's how strong the year 1990 was. Is that there are albums that I love yeah. that I just had to leave out because of other albums. And this was one that was a big deal. But you know, but I got into it because of the video for Ben Caught Stealing. But to be honest, yeah. that's my least favorite song on the album. In fact, that song actually is a skippable song for me um, on the album because it just it's it's fine. It just doesn't have the same strength that the rest of the album has. It's funny, isn't it? Because I, I, I had the same problem where I was like, yeah, I like um, being caught stealing, but... It it kind of turned me off a little bit compared to some of the other bands because yeah. at the time when I really started getting into the grunge and like alt metal thing happening in the early nineties through GTA San Andreas, I gravitated more towards um, you know Rage Against Machine, Living Color, mm-hmm. um, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, those sort of bands. But like when I when Jane's Addiction finally clicked for me. Around the same time as Helmet, funnily enough, um, which are on a completely opposite end. They're a lot more stripped back, yeah. uh, less vibey, much more about heaviness and groove. But yeah, this album just, it it clicked with me for some reason. Well, there are the, there, in, all the, the, those bands you're talking about, they're all what I would, I would call the fringe alternative bands because bands like those, Jane's Addiction, Living Color... Uh, helmet yeah. the, the these were all bands that got played in in America on the alternative show called 120 minutes and they got played on headbangers ball because they yeah that was and that's that that literally is the number one thing that I love about this era of music is that there was this music that was heavy that was not metal but didn't really yeah. fit in anywhere specifically and I that is that is literally me. Like that is how I felt my whole life. I feel like somebody that loves heavy music, rock, metal, whatever you want to throw my way, but I feel like I've never really fit in anywhere. And so these bands are all bands that I go, yeah, this is all, it's all like, you know, my family, (laughs) you know, us, us weirdos. (laughs) And so, and Jane's addiction was one of those bands that when they came out, I'm like, this is, this is, not anything I expected, and it's really good. So just give me, give me more of this. I thought that it was just going to be an endless sea of bands for the rest of my life that would show up and and be and give me shit that I wasn't expecting. But that well kind of went dry after after a bit. But <laughs> but this album is a good one. Hell to the yeah. Also, I remember so, when I got um, it, when I bought it, um, the only version they had at the store was the censored version. 
because the because the, uh, the original album cover it's a painting by Perry Farrell, and it's got you know vaginas and boobies and penises and shit on it, um, or it's a, got a, a it's penis. Got a, a very generous amount of muff on display. Yeah, and so the version <laughs> I got was an all white cover that literally just had I think it was a blurb about a blurb from the Constitution about freedom of speech or something like that. Yeah, because I mean, that's cool. Though, yeah, because well. the because the album itself wasn't edited; just the just the album cover was censored. Yeah, so that's how I always remember the album when I think of Ritual De Lo Habitual. I think of the white album cover because I'm just like, well, that's what I had. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, classic album. You got any other thoughts on this one? No, nah, no, nah, you go ahead. You go ahead with your uh, number number five. Number five. You know what? But I am. I ain't leaving thrash metal. Um, I mean, I will, but right now I'm not. <laughs> and um, it's another amazing album from a band that I also consider very underrated. They're they're a little bit more appreciated but they should be much more appreciated. My number five is The American Way by Sacred hey. Reich. And nice. This is another one of those albums that I feel, it's like, it's like what you know, Acid Rain did with Obnoxious and Act 3 with, with, with Death Angel, where these bands just decided that they weren't just going to do the same shit and they were going to be adventurous and they were going to be they were they, they didn't have boundaries they just made the music that came out of them and they didn't care if the song was longer or if it went in a direction that wasn't necessarily thrash and the american way is one of those great albums where there's enough thrash on there to make it a thrash album but it's ambitious and it's it's awesome it, all the way through and of course it's got you know the the political style lyrics um from Phil Rind that I love and it's got I mean the song American Way is a fucking classic which which yeah um I my introduction to Sacred Reich was the song The American Way but it wasn't on MTV it was in the movie Encino, Encino Man. Man yeah <laughs> <laughs> and cuz I love that that Brendan Fraser just as a caveman just like yeah, because it's enjoying it because it's fucking cool. It's primal. <laughs> Even the cavemen are into the thrash metal. Um, but Hell, yeah, I yeah. don't think that I had I'd heard. That's I mean, maybe I'd heard them prior to that, but that's the first that I remember hearing that band. And then I was really, I was totally fucking into them. And so, like when they put out their next album, which was um, independent in '93, I was fucking, I was all about it. But. Um, Anyway. I, have a, I have kind of a, I had a, I had a funny story about Sacred Reich just real quick sure. while it's on my mind. We can always talk so, about Sacred Reich anytime you want. Yeah, I, I remember like there was one day where this, one of the kids in my class was kind of giving me dirty looks because uh-huh. I was like talking about, hey, I found this really cool thrash band called Sacred Reich. For a straight up twenty four hour period, this dude just heard Reich and thought I was a neo Nazi for about oh, a day. Yeah, yeah, and I it like he was like, I don't know, I got bad vibes off you, dude. I was like, dude, it's a it's a it's a band name. I don't want to round people up and dispose of them. And, and if you Christ. and if you listen to their lyrics, they also don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so it's uh, it's very it's very much the complete opposite of that. Um, yeah. But American Way, I, I just thought it was super funny the fact that like me of all people, yeah, 
Yeah. The American Ways is is my favorite um Sacred Reich album. Um if we when we get around to doing a ranking, I don't know if it'll be my number one because I always try to like find that middle ground between what I love and what I think is their best. But I think in yeah. the American Way is probably both. I mean, I don't know. It's it's fuck it's fucking amazing and it's got so many cool sh- cool fucking songs on it and it's and it, and it ends with the song 31 Flavors, which is also like kind of a funky song where they, they, Phil Rind kind of raps uh, about yeah. like, about <laughs> not just listening to metal, about how it's okay to go listen to all these other kinds of things. And that's why, like, yeah. like you know, when people do look back, like the, the younger metalheads or old, I don't know what the fuck happened to these people as they got older, but everyone <laughs> seems to think that, like, nope, the way the metalhead thing was just you only listen to this one thing. And I'm like, I don't remember that ever being a thing. <laughs> it's like, and then obviously a lot of these bands felt the same way. So it's like, who are you? And what, and you know, I didn't, I didn't get into music to be all about fucking rules. So anyway, so yeah, American way, amazing album. Uh, as I said on, every, I think every album that I've talked about, I've said, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it and do yourself a favor. Cause it fucking rules. It's my number five. The American way. I didn't mean Hell. to. I didn't mean to yell at you, but it's now your turn. <laughs> it's like that. I'm just thinking of that bit. It's from an early, early episode of Family Guy where Peter's like freaking out that he's got a guest coming over, and he and he says, "I I really hope I don't get that thing where I can't control my my volume when I talk to him." And he opens the door. And he's like, "Hey, Peter." Yes. <laughs> Please come in. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, it, that brings us to our number four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was mid drink when he said, "I'm not drink. I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm drinking water, purified drinking water." I am also drinking water. Funnily enough, today this is a very health centric episode that's, of Cranked and Right. I mean, honestly, the two. I if I'm not drinking, I, I drink three things. I drink coffee in the morning. I drink water the rest of the day, and on the weekends, I drink beer. That's literally, <laughs> that's pretty much all I that's drink. M- that's my routine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, except my weekend happens Wednesday because it's pizza night. Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, number four is Extreme 2 Pornography. Nice. I was wondering if this would show up here. It, it did. It did, in fact, show up. So this is... Uh, another hybrid-ish kind of album. Yeah, yeah. And Gets unfairly thrown into the hair metal um, category to me. I was going to say, because this is kind of... This is as much a funk metal album as it is in the hair metal stadium rock thing. Yeah. Because, like, it's a match made in heaven, and I'm shocked more people didn't do it. Um, but yeah, it's a riff-tastic album. It is so, every song, like almost every song, which isn't more than words, uh, uh, is a fucking killer. Or wholehearted. Funk, or wholehearted, or um, when, I, when I Kissed Her, is that the other one? Uh, I can't that's like a happened. full-on Sinatra ballad. Yeah. <laughs> which one is it? Uh, extreme to... Let's get the track list up here, baby. To the internet. Yeah. De- 
So yeah, you got Decadence Dance, Little Jack Horney. Little uh, Jack Horney. Jack Horney. When I'm president, get the funk out. Oh, get the funk out is so good. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 it's like they they were they had a little bit of like progginess in some of their shit where like the time signatures would get weird for a second and you would go like wait That's what band am i listening to <laughs> and I, I i know this isn't extreme but while it's on my mind there is a part in uh 17 by winger where the drums totally change up yeah and i have i have to this day no fucking idea what happens at you, that point you, in the song, you may be talking as a drummer. There, there. I, I don't really like that song, but I, there's a moment in the song that I love, and it's probably what you're talking about when it has that middle riff, that like it does that little riff in the middle, and I think the drums switch up in that part. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. It's right after the solos. What what like. Oddly proggy for a um, kind of dodgy glam song. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's yeah. fine. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a. Yeah. I'm not a, a, a winger hater, but I'm. I'm not really that big of a fan of that song. I'm. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm cooking up a video idea where I'm gonna take uh, all of the uh, underage groupie songs oh, and make the most uncomfortable playlist I can. <laughs> <laughs> Like Christine, 16, 17, they're all going to be in there. But yeah. I mean, to be honest, you could probably just stick the whole Gene Simmons solo record <laughs> in that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Just make him the cover uh, of, the, of the playlist. Just Gene Simmons' face. <laughs> <laughs> no makeup either. It's, it, it's no, the no, photo no. of him. But still doing yeah. the tongue thing, though. He's doing the tongue thing oh. with no makeup, which is the worst. <laughs> I I know ex- I know exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be the part from Lick It Up where he's given like this like predator stare to the camera, like that, <laughs> like the with his. Well, what about when he, does, when he does the thumbs like, up? We got to do that too. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice we, ass, we love, baby. We love you, Gene. <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> um. So yeah, it it's a. It's a great uh, funky hard rock album, uh, and if you wrote them off because of more than words, stop it. Oh yeah, but just but, fu- yeah, but I'm sorry, like, more than words fucking rules. It is yeah, yeah, yeah. a really a good song. song. It's actually become one of my wife's favorite songs, but she wasn't. I don't think she even knew it back in the day. She recently heard it through wow. me, and it's now become a song that she loves because she's. She's six years younger than me. She was born in 85, or is that seven years? Fuck, I ah. don't know. You know, I'm robbing the cradle. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but they, uh, but she, something just, and that's because the song, everything in it is so perfectly done. The harmonies are spot on. It just has a really nice sound to it that you just can't help but just sing along to it. And, and just, Talking shit about that song, I'm just like, then I don't just fuck off because you if you yeah. if you don't have time yeah. <laughs> if you don't have time to get a little bit you know um, smooth with the love vibes, then um, I wouldn't I would never want to be your girlfriend because like how fucking awful would that be? 
If if you want a healthy sex life, metalheads, you got to get into the ballad zone once in a while. That's, it's just it's just the true. nature of the fucking beast. And honestly, on 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 that note, <laughs> wouldn't you wouldn't you think that if there was no more than words, would anybody still be talking about extreme that wasn't just music nerds like us? I think. I think maybe down to Nuno Betancourt's guitar playing because the dude's a fucking Nuno monster. Nuno fucking rules. But, but like, but I feel yeah. like if you're not into that style of music and that style of guitar playing, that they they wouldn't have broken as big without more than words. It was, it yeah. was the thing that yeah. put them on the map as a band that people know their name. You know, that's true. Yeah, because they they very easily could have been one of the unfortunate casualties of the. Uh, early 90s label push to just pretend glam never existed yeah (laughs) yeah um the moment nirvana came out it was like oh better pull down the cherry pie poster up goes dirt um but yeah there's a cool thing about this album as well i just want to highlight it sure uh, while we're here um it has two bracket songs in a row. (laughs) I'm just gonna get get this off of my chest because it's oh no it's got it's got three. It's got three on oh, here. Oh, really? So, yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do them all now. Money, in God we trust. It, it's a monster. Susie, wants her all day. What? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so that so that one song is just called it's. Uh, it, it's actually just called it, and it. then. And then it starts with the bracket, then has the apostrophe S, a monster. They're just taking the piss there, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a piss take. (laughs) Like, oh, fuck off with your your brackets. (laughs) Yeah, you and your grammar. (laughs) But yeah, Um, also the song Wholehearted is awesome. I love that song. Yeah. Which, funny enough, is not on the original vinyl version of that album. I have it on vinyl, and it does not have Wholehearted. And it kind of bums me out, because I that's a really great album closer. It has a nice little feel to it. See, guys, I am not... That's why I feel like I don't fit in. Because <laughs> I, I have no problem saying songs like that just fucking feel good to me. But I, I have a similar thing with... Um any version of Angel Dust that doesn't have Easy on it, because yeah. I only ever knew it with Easy on the end of it. And it's like, after, uh, like, I need to hear Easy after I've heard Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way I'm wired at this point. But uh, I have a, I have an original pressing of um, The Real Thing as well. And that's, I think that's missing. Is that missing the War Pigs cover and on Vi- Edge of the World? On or vinyl? is it just missing? Yeah. Vinyl yeah, is it's, original... it's only missing Edge of the World. It ends, I believe it ends with Woodpecker on Mars. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, because it, it just Or from Mars or whatever. That's, that's the thing as well. There there was this era where that there was this big push to get the C D version because it would have a bonus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um In nineteen ninety I didn't have a CD player, so I, it was it was all cassettes at yeah. that point for me. Mm. But yeah, it's it's a it's a great album, and I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you take the reins. Sweet, uh, I, I'm loving the variety we're, we're having here. But this is where I'm gonna dip in and do one you already talked about. So I'm gonna be real quick with this one. My number four is "Times Up" mm-hmm. by Living Color. 
Nice. And uh, we like like we've said before, we did a Living Color album ranking. Go listen to it. Um, we've talked about this album a lot, and um, I love Living Color. I love this album. It it should like everything that Eddie says. Just copy and paste that and put it. If you could do like a deep fake and make my mouth <laughs> say the things that he said. Then um, I'm terrified of that shit. Like, <laughs> like, have you seen have you seen the Eminem deep fakes? That they're insane. No, I don't. Like, that they, shit bothers me. They've synthesized his voice to the point where they have a text to speak like program where they can make Eminem songs that don't exist. Oh my god, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. And for they're the still gonna be they're still gonna be like, better than most hip hop that's out today, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's dude, how good insane. Eminem is. You can just make some shit up with his voice, and it's still fucking rule. <laughs> anyway, I like I like Eminem. I like some modern hip hop, just not very much of it. But this is not hip hop. Although you know, you've got Queen Latifah and Dougie Fresh on this album, so that does you know, it's a little bit of that. But um, yeah, Times Up is amazing. Um, it's an album that everybody should hear. It's and it's an album that gives you so many different vibes and and all done amazingly well. And um, Living Color is also a band that should be fucking massive. And, um, you know, they, they when they go on tour, they're a band that should be playing arenas and headlining because that's how great they are. But unfortunately, I think maybe because they go all over the place so much, maybe they alienated, you know, people that just wanted a particular sound. Um, but yeah. um, if that, that's what they did, I don't think that I would like them as much. And so, yeah, I love Living yeah. Color. I love Time's Up. Amazing album. I'm not going to go on and on about this one because we already did. And that's my number four. So let's move on to Eddie's number three. The top three, folks, of 1990. I'm super intrigued now to see if we match up here. Because, like, granted, our, our lower picks could, you know, could have been all over the place. But I feel like there are classics we haven't mentioned yet yeah that are gonna come up <laughs> there are there are classics i will mention there are classics that didn't make it and um like i said before like my number one of 1990 changed in in about a year and a half um and so it'll yeah. it'll be interesting so yeah let's let's go with your number three so my number three is rust in peace by megadeth nice a fucking amazing album a true thrash masterpiece. It's as a sophistic- a thrashter piece. <laughs> it's so- as as sophisticated as it is gnarly, and like the tr- the track list is like a who's who of um, thrash songs, really, isn't it? Yeah. Like you take even the first three tracks, like Holy Wars, Hangar Eighteen, Take No Prisoners. Um, the the song I almost broke my finger playing uh, on drums. <laughs> Told I told that story in my uh, uh, behind the album Rust in Peace. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's it's a, it's a video I made. Um, Eddie Sparks, go look him up on the YouTube's. I make things too. He does. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it's a it's a killer album, and I love I fucking love Dawn Patrol, man. Like yeah. there's just something about Dawn Patrol that just like. There's something about David Elephant's filthy fucking bass riff on that song yeah. that it doesn't even need a 
guitar over the top of it to make it sound evil. It definitely doesn't need like, Dave Mustaine doing a weird faux British accent. <laughs> <laughs> we can't decide if he's actually doing it or not. Now I can only laugh as I read our epitaph. <laughs> we end our life as moles. <laughs> oh my god. Woo! <laughs> It's fucking great. Yeah. <coughs> uh, I made myself cough. Yeah, take take the reins there. I'm going to recover. Uh, ru- ru- rest in peace. Uh, <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Classics and shit. I, I wasn't ready. I didn't yeah. have anything prepared for this particular moment of the show. Um, but I know. It's okay. I, 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 you don't need it. <coughs> I, I agree that uh, I like I like every song on this album. Um, but yeah, Dawn Patrol is like one that like you could argue that it doesn't even need to be there. But the fact that it's I've heard this album so many times and that's where it is. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's yeah, I like that it leads up. It's almost like a little get ready for the for the closer kind of uh, yeah. part of the album. Oh, when it when it comes to Nick Menza as well, the dude, fuck it, dude was a monster. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. A lot of the stuff he plays it sure it, it it to to a to an outsider looking in like some of the stuff he plays is is ridiculously hard but some of it is just physically demanding and i love a lot of the grooves on this album because they f- they feel satisfying to play because like it, you take take no prisoners the the fills and things are relatively straightforward yeah. it's like the speed at which they happen. And, is well, the his thing. whole groove thing. I remember when I yeah. first got into Megadeth in the early '90s, and of course, you know, everyone was already putting them up next to Metallica because Dave was in Metallica. But I would, I remember even back then when I was young, thinking to myself, the thing that I like about Megadeth is that because, and I was mostly referring to you know this lineup of the band, is that with Metallica, it seemed like. Everything is back and forth. Like the the rhythms are a boot. It's especially you know Lars. It's very there there. Yeah. There's I I didn't I guess I didn't know the word groove back then. But Metallica isn't known for their groove. Metal uh, Megadeth. It's like there's not there's there's a back and forth, but there's also now a side to side in the music. Where, yeah, it's where, it's kind of swinging. Yeah, and that's the thing that I went like well yeah that's why this band is equally as good. Because they have that vibe going for them. I love it when... That's the thing, is that everyone's all like, you know, you know, Megadeth and Thrash. And I was like, yeah, they're all great when they do Thrash. But when they do those... those I don't know what what you call it. The halftime kind of boogie down kind yeah. of beats. Like, I'm just like, that's where they fucking rule to me. Because they... I don't think anybody did that shit better than that combination of musicians. And you watch fucking... There's a... You can find live footage of them on tour in 1990, 1991. And they fucking blow everybody away. Any, any band. Yeah. They, they were that fucking good. And, um, yeah, that's I love this lineup of Megadeth. The thing I always loved about Nick Menza as well is that every time you see him behind his kit, he is just ridiculously happy. Yeah. He has like this, he has a permanent smile on his face and it it doesn't fit with the music sometimes, but you can't help but be along, be there with him in that moment because he's like, I have the best fucking job in the world. Yeah, I just get to smack these fucking things around. And he and like, wasn't he? An hour and he a half. wasn't he the previous drummer's drum tech? Like that's how he ended up getting the yeah. gig. Like that's insane that that dude 
Because like the pre, who was the previous drummer? What was his name? I don't even remember. Chuck Bella. That all the drummers in Megadeth have been great, but I but e- Nick Menz is easily the best in my opinion, and and he yeah, and just the fact that he was just he was just a drum tech. And he just he takes over and then he just makes it the the to, to me the best lineup of Megadeth. Yeah, which is why I found it quite shocking as well. Like um, we did a Megadeth crank and wreck too, by the uh, way. Hell yeah! The, was it after Cryptic Writings where he did he have like a hand injury or something? And he had to like step out for risk, and then Maybe. something happened, and then. Di- Dave said something along the lines of your services are no longer needed. And it was like, what? Ugh. You're about to get rid of Nick fucking Menza? Bro. Yeah. Uh, well, you <laughs> the, know, whatever. It's Dave's band. You know, it's, it, our, he doesn't have to leave the fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lars. <laughs> Dave, Dave does what Dave wants to do. It's uh, you, you, if you if you have a problem with that, you're probably not a Megadeth fan. <laughs> it's, it's the end of the line for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That is the best thing I've ever done. And it's, it, uh, it didn't blow up the way that I would hope that it would, but it's, I'm still so fucking proud of it. You want to know the worst part about it though? <laughs> is I'm already going to have that thought going into the new yes. Megadeth yeah, album. Wherever that lyric goes. So by, so if you don't know guys, we're talking about a video that I posted on my channel on YouTube where Dave Mustaine uh, recorded himself doing the last, you know, line of vocals for the new Megadeth album, and it's just his voice, and it's just him, and he sings, "It's the end of the line for you." And for some <laughs> reason, when I heard that, I, I made me think of the Looney Tunes music, so I just grabbed the Looney Tunes <laughs> music and I put it directly underneath it and synced it correctly. And the the video is it's got the it's the end of the line for you. The line for you. And I was so I I rarely make myself laugh out loud, but I did when that when that thing came together. You know when you edit something just right and you're just like, oh fuck, man. Yeah. And you're just I I was me I I posted it and I was just like this shit better go viral because it is the best thing I've ever done. It it didn't go viral, but whatever. I'm sure if it did go viral, I'd probably get a cease and desist from Dave Mustaine. <laughs> Hell, it'll probably simmer away for like three years and then just randomly get boosted by the algorithm. Oh fuck, that would be great. That's, us- that's usually how these things go, but yeah. Oh man. Anyway, rest in peace. Yeah, I'm. Si- yeah. Also, quick note: I am super excited with that riff. That down to get to get down to get to get down 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 to get down. We'll see how it goes. The one with the skank beat behind it, I'm fucking down, man. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not. I've I've learned not to get excited about Megadeth albums because they always end up being good in some parts and okay in others. And um, so I'm just like, I bet you this is going to be that again. I'm I'm ready to be proven wrong, as I always am. <laughs> I just I just really want that riff for like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the whole album. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the very end of it, he goes, it's the end of the album now. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, they bring in Ja Rule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did, we did it. it. <laughs> yeah, that, well, fuck, that, would, that would be amazing. Um, do you have anything else to say about Rust in Peace? That was a little bit of a, of a nah, divergence nah. or whatever. Yeah, we're all good. I'm still kind of recovering from 
using my lung to swallow that fucking water. So all right. you you go ahead. <laughs> all right. So, well, this this one this one's related to what you're talking about because it's another one of the big four. My number three is the album Persistence of Time by Anthrax. Hey. And um, I, it's no secret, I'm a huge Anthrax fan, and I love the Joey Belladonna um, Anthrax albums the most. And this is not my favorite Joey Belladonna album, but uh, I would say, like... Production-wise, guitar tone-wise, all of those things, I think this is the best-sounding Anthrax album. It's just to my ears anyway. But um, it's, once again, it's more ambitious. There's longer songs. They they I, they didn't really take a lot of risks necessarily. With some of the songs, I think there are parts where they, they kind of did things a little differently. But for the most part, it's just a really killer, solid album that I've loved ever since. It came out because I got into Anthrax in the early 90s. And when this one yeah. came out, I was all over it and I loved it. I This was an album that I loved so much that I remember I have memories of being in class and I had a notebook that was a notebook that wasn't it wasn't for school. I had school notebooks and things like that. But this one was just for writing down lyrics of other people's songs, not my songs, because <laughs> I cool. I wasn't playing music at that point. So I remember writing all of the lyrics to keep it in the family all down down in a piece of paper. Um, and I, I I don't know if I wrote down the N word completely on it or not, but <laughs> but they <laughs> they I probably did um, because they they do that is that is one of the things that they that, that's interesting that in that song they actually say the n-word because it's an you know it's an anti-racism song um and so they they use it in context which these days <laughs> would get you canceled but um oh my god it's an, I, it, while it's while it's on my mind can you imagine if fuck the middle east by stormtroopers of death came out today oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's that's one that could easily get canceled too. But that's for a different show. But that's but that, but that once again, that's ta- you're you're taking something out of context where something is intended to be from a person who's a reprehensible human being. That's the thing, is, and they're the person singing it. But anyway, whatever. That's a different thing altogether. But <laughs> but yeah, I loved this album so much that I had lyrics memorized to just write them down without the music and even playing in my ears. And um, yeah, it's it's just to me, it's an album that has just remained awesome. Like I feel that I feel like I feel the same way about it now that I did back then. I put it on and I feel the same feelings that it's, it hasn't gotten old. It hasn't. It honestly has just kind of stayed as one of my favorite albums. It's it's just one of those ones that it's an old reliable. And, you know, if I yeah. want to if I want this particular sound from Anthrax, here's where I go. And I don't have a lot to add to that, but I do. We still have not done um, the Anthrax cranked and ranked yet, but we will. And so maybe I'll save a lot of my my uh, my words for that. But my number three <laughs> is Persistence of Time. Cool. Cool. So my number two is Cowboys from Hell. Ooh. I was just waiting for you. Uh, um, oh, hell yeah. From from my neck of the woods, from uh from the Fort Worth area of Texas. 
awesome. It, it, this is one of those revolutionary moments in heavy metal. Now, I know there's, there is, like, debate on who did the groove metal thing first with the whole um, X-Hoarder versus Pantera kind of thing that I've heard about. Yeah. But, but you know, it, things were shifting anyway because, like, the thrash bands were cottoning on to, hey, people move the most to more of the mid-tempo riffs, but Pantera heard it and just fucking ran with it. And I, I, I really, I don't, I think that it was just two like-minded bands because yeah. from what I know, because there's a band related to this that I'll talk about later that um, Dimebag Daryl was really into. And wow, okay. it, wa- it was an exhorter who who basically who gave him the the desire to add groove into their music. And so yeah. um and Exhorter's album is nowhere near as good as this album. Sorry. It's it's just not. Um it's it's great, but that that's it. And we 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 also need to acknowledge the fact that, you know, Pantera's first three albums and to to an extent their fourth they're essentially Def Leppard on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> That's another yeah. one that we'll, we'll get to do the Pantera cranked and ranked. And we're going to rank all of the albums because I, I think they all have good qualities. Every single one of them. For sure. Even if the band themselves don't acknowledge that. <laughs> That's whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that. That's they can do what they want with their own yeah. content. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that they, there's a thing that sticks out to me whenever I think about groove metal, and that's the interview with Phil Anselmo in, I think it's the new metal episode of... Um, metal Evolution? Me- metal Evolution, that's mm-hmm. the one. And they kind of... They talk about how groove metal was a big part in it. And he says something along the lines of, we just saw how the quote-unquote money riff would make the crowd move so much so we just took the whole damn song and made it the money riff that is <laughs> that is an amazing Phil Anselmo <laughs> if I was if I close my eyes it's like he's right there in front of me okay okay let's let's do it real quick okay I'm Philip H. Anselmo I'm in every fucking band fucking down fucking super joint fucking yeah. Pin it's fucking Terra. I mean, it's it's not. It, it, it needs a little work, but it's but it's a really yeah. great start. It's a service. It's serviceable. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So yeah, heroin needle in my goddamn dick. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Cowboys from Hell. It's killer from start to finish. And even when they get ballady with Cemetery Gates, that is an enduring anthem of heavy metal today. Yeah. Like yeah. Any any band breaks out a cover of that, even the hardest looking biker dude in the audience is going to get a tear in their eye. They're going to be there like, yeah. Reverend. <laughs> Like it, it I, honestly, honestly, it's it's songs like that. Like I, I, I actually get some people's issue with why they love this album, but then kind of fall off because, like, yeah. If you listen, if if you told me, like, if you played me an album by like the last album by Down or Superjoint, and said yeah. this is the same guy from Cowboys from Hell, I'd be like, no fucking way. That dude yeah. can really sing. 
And, and so it's in it. And, it, and it, honestly, I, I have a theory and um, it has to do with marijuana. Now, now I am pro marijuana. I would like to be high right now if I could find this a dealer. A, this PSA is brought to you. PSA by is, <laughs> I, I'm all about the, the, the ganja. I'm uh, but <laughs> it seemed like he became really obsessed with weed and talking about <laughs> weed and smoking weed. And I feel like he smoked it so much. He would smoke it when he was supposed to be singing. And then all of a sudden he couldn't right. fucking sing anymore. <laughs> and, and I think that he, with that and alcohol and everything, I think that he just, he quickly wrecked his voice because he wasn't interested in being a good vocalist anymore. If you watch live footage, even from the vulgar display era, he barely even does those songs. He's just like, he does some words that sound kind of like they're, they're part of the song. And then he, you know, sometimes he even sits down while doing songs. I'm like, you lazy fuck. <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen is, is when um, he, I think he sits down on one of the speakers at the front, does one of the lines from domination blasts a fucking snot rocket out of his nose and goes yeah. right back to singing. And yeah. it's a gnarly snot rocket too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I, ju I just think that he, there wasn't, he didn't care about being that kind of singer. And so he didn't, mm. he didn't take care of his voice and uh, the rest is history. So he, I mean, he's, he's become a vocalist that I literally don't, I don't care what about what he's doing. <laughs> I'm just like, he's, <laughs> he's fine for people. People love him and that's great. Um, I, I like him in Pantera, but that's kind of as far as it goes. It's, it's a pretty crazy transformation from like three Pantera albums because he was on he was on power metal. Yep, yep. It's so funny that over the course of about three albums, you see Phil Anselmo essentially turn from literally Rob Halford to a hardcore guy. Yeah. And it's it's so funny just to think like, on vulgar display of power, he's he's like the tattooed hard hard fucking. I'm gonna kick your ass in the pit, uh, and then like you go back to albums and he's in fucking you know hairspray singing like Judas yeah. Priest. Rock the world. I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it makes sense. I mean sometimes that you know you get you your the your desire that you what you want to do musically changes, and that's I I, yeah. I have no I have no problem with that, but you can't. I just don't like it as much. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love I love Vulgar Display and I love Far Beyond Driven, but after that, their out their last two albums to me are just good albums. They're not great albums. Yeah, like I, I remember last year, I kind of like after about five straight years of being really into glam, I kind of OD'd on it, and I was like, uh -huh. I need I need a break. I need a long break because like uh, back in college, I would like alternate between like. I'm in a grunge mood recently. I'm in a glam mood recently. I'm in a classic rock mood recently. And then all of a yeah. sudden, over the course of um, like a year in like 2017, like it, I think I got, I just got stuck on glam, and it, yeah. this the switch didn't shift for like three years. And then I find, <laughs> and then I was finally like, bro, I don't know how much more reverb I can take. I think I gotta take a break, bro. <laughs> but yeah, um, me now. I'm back to the healthy mixture of everything, but mm -hmm. yeah, musical, musical desire does change and yeah. it's okay. It's okay to dip in and out, you know, but we it's were talking like, about cowboys from hell when they yeah. were, 
when, when they, they were, were kind of straddling that line from more of a from I don't know what kind of metal it would be. Gro- there was groove, but there was also a little bit of I guess traditional and power metal kind of shit. Yeah, you could you could definitely argue that there is uh, just some classic heavy metal influence in Cowboys from Hell, but it's mainly in the vocals. Everything else is much more the money riff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so without further ado, if you'd like to give us your number two. Oh, okay. We're, we're done with Cowboys from Hell. All right. Um, yeah. Um, I, I like Cowboys from Hell, but it didn't, it did not make my, uh, my top 10. Um, wow. My number two is another one that you already talked about. Um, so I'm going to be quick. My number two is Rust in Peace by Megadeth, which was my number one. Hey. Um, and um, it's still a classic album. Uh, to me, like, Holy Wars is one of my favorite album openers ever. Like, it it's is. It's killer. It's one of those things where that, that song starts to play, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, just clear my schedule. I'm just listening to Rust in <laughs> Peace now. And um, I love it. It's a it's an amazing album. Technically, it's amazing. I love the way it sounds, the production. I, not not the remixed version. I know I've said this a lot on my channel. Fuck yeah. You know what? That 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 was the that was the time where I finally went. Dave Mustaine's really getting on my fucking nerves because um, <laughs> he remixed albums to where they sounded like shit. And I guess he thought that he was doing somebody a service, but he wasn't. He was fucking up classic albums. So I like the original, original mix of this album. It's amazing. Uh, still sounds good today. Um, the reason why it dropped down to number two is because I started thinking about what my number one album is and what it's meant to me ever since it came out. And this one started to take a back seat because I started to pull it apart and I started to go, you know what? Musically speaking, this album is pretty fucking perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. V- lyrically you get into some of the later songs like there there are parts in this album where i go that chorus could have been better even though like i love it because it yeah. is what it is but i started to go oh there are some flaws here that like i didn't really look at before just because i love this album as it is i wouldn't want them to change it but when comparing it to other albums that i love i just went yeah there are a couple parts where i go ah, that's not amazing and um, so it took, it ended up being my number two. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is fucking, like, all ten of these albums are amazing albums to me. But yeah. um, th- that's the thing that I love about doing these episodes like this is that I really get to, like, pick apart things that I love and go, like, oh, yeah. It's, re- it's really giving me the idea of, like, you know, it's almost making me even more, like, tuned into what I actually love you know, to where like I can back up the things that I love so much because I'm like, you know what? I have gone through and just like weeded through all of this stuff and, you know, and really thought about the things that make an album great to me. And um, to me, uh, Rust in Peace is great, but there is a greater album that came out in uh, 1990. And so without further ado, we've now made it to number one. So now we're going to I have an idea what your number there's two albums in general in in particular i feel like your number one could be either one of these two albums so i'm gonna see if i'm correct here i'll let you know so um, actually actually i'm I'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you guess tell me tell me both of them that are on your mind okay and okay one one of them was painkiller by judas priest 
Okay. And the other one was facelift by Alice in Chains. It is the latter. I chose facelift. Noise. All right. I had a feeling. Yeah. I thought Painkiller is... would be on your list. That's the thing. It very nearly got to the top 10 spot. Yeah. But there was just, I would have felt bad to leave the L7 album off. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, yeah, it, as good as Painkiller is. We'll get to our honor, honorable mentions in a moment, but uh, yeah. All right, Alice in Chains, let's do it. Yeah, my favorite album by my favorite grunge band. We did an Alice in Chains episode, by the way. Go check that out. Mm-hmm. Um Great vibe, great tunes, We Die Young, Man in the Box, Sea of Sorrow, Bleed the Freak, Love Hate Love. Yeah, it ain't, it's, it's, it ain't it's a like fucking that. amazing album. I'm I'm with you. Like that's the thing. So so many people will will say to me, Do you really like it more than dirt? And the thing is, vibe wise, yeah. vibe wise, dirt is just as good. I just prefer the vibe of this one that like one percent more mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and it it could be that the production is a bit more stadium rock and it's like that cool middle ground between everything i like yeah but even you know that that said this album just rules and i love the dark psychedelic side to it too yeah um Especially in like I can't remember love hate love confusion all of like the slower moodier tracks on here yeah um hell even the deep cuts I know something um fucking what's it called uh real thing like real thing is such a good album closer you know when a track you hear it and you think of course it's here yeah yeah, yeah. no I agree I, that that's the one yeah. And I love the sexual chocolate reference at the end yeah. as well, which just makes it that much better. But um, yeah, facelift. I've actually ordered up the deluxe box set. Oh, of sweet facelift! So hopefully, uh, I'll get that this month. I was supposed to get it in January, but they took it upon themselves to make the box set even better because I know you were initially kind of disappointed. Yeah, they. They added some new. They added some more stuff. What they did? Yeah, and they they kind of responded to like the criticism and upped the quality a little bit. But um, the the main problem recently has been like shipping. Like it was meant to be delivered in January and yeah. then April and then June, and now it's coming out in August. So I what hope. did they what did they add to it? Because I'm I'm all like maybe I'll get this shit now if they if that, if they're really gonna do that. I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, I'm just going out of out of memory here, but I think they added, um, of, of what was originally in it, I'd say there's like an extra 25%, I think. I mean, I could be talking out of my ass before, right now. Before, if, if I remember right, it was only the, the album remastered and some pictures, like, like lithographs or whatever, and I think that was it. I think yeah, there's a lot more now. There's, I think there's a cassette. There's, um, let, let's I'll load it go, up. I'll, I'll sure. have to look at it because that's like that's why I didn't get it because I'm just like you're doing a box set, but haven't you been watching what Metallica's been doing? Come on, man, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's throw some um, other shit in there. It's got a badass animated picture disc with the faces on it that like moves when it's on the turntable. What that? What? <laughs> 
Have you not seen this? No. Okay. Okay. Just send me a link and we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it. I'll look at it after the show. But, um, okay. But cause I, (laughs) I, cause I had no idea. And that's fucking cool. This is you've, you've, this is not even this is another me- band meeting or band meeting <laughs> podcast meeting. <laughs> we might as well be a band. We're like we're like the Hall and Oates of podcasts. Yeah, now it looks fucking incredible. All right, I, I got to be honest. I'm gonna go take a look <laughs> at it. But I mean, but I have facelift on vinyl. I ended up getting like a a, a version from Spain, an original pressing. And um, yeah. it sounds really good, I don't, it, which is interesting because it's such a long album and it's on one disc on that. But um, I've noticed that albums from the early 90s that are made in Europe and other countries, they seem to be there seems to be a better quality. I don't know what their pressing plants had going on, but they they always seem to be really good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just this is a This is a top five yeah. album for me. Of, and, like of all uh, time, it's in your all time top five. Yeah, Desert yeah. Island. Yeah, Desert Island Disc for sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number one. That's, Sweet. That's, so my number one is also an a uh, 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 a, a Desert Island album, and this is one that like I I've loved ever since it came out. Um, but I kind of overlooked how important it was to me. Um, and, and over the years, it's just gotten more and more of an important album in my life. And funnily enough, this band directly influenced Pantera and directly influenced Alice in Chains. Um, my number one is the album Faith, Hope, Love by King's X. Cool. And it is my favorite King's X album. Once again, it's that kind of thing where you could probably argue that Gretchen goes to Nebraska is better or even out of the silent planet. And I, I wouldn't really argue with you because they're all amazing albums. But this is the first King's X album that I heard when it came out and I bought it on cassette. And it, once again, like a lot of these albums that we're talking about, it gave me something that I wasn't expecting because they there's a lot of metal influenced riffs and they're, they're, they're down tuned riffs. They, they do a lot of drop D and a lot of their stuff, but they, on top of that, they put these beautiful harmony vocals on top of everything. And these little Beatlesque qualities to a lot of the songs, but this one, it just goes in so many different directions for them. And every song has something really memorable about it. And it doesn't even, and it's not a short album. Like I usually, I'm like, get, give me 40 minutes and get out of here. This is over an hour long and I love every song on this album. And, um, but I got into them through the song it's love, which is interesting because it's love. Uh, the lead vocalist on that is Ty Tabor, the guitar player who does a lot. He does some lead vocals, but he's mostly backing vocals. And so you get the album, and the majority of the vocals is Doug Pinnock. I think Ty sings like three songs, maybe four songs on this album, and Jerry Gaskill, the drummer, sings one song. But um, it's mostly Doug Pinnock's vocals, and that's I think he's the guy that's known when you think of King's X, you think of his voice. But this album is just beyond great to me. It's grown in a way that I did. I already loved it. But now that I'm older 
And I've gone through like being in bands and writing music. And I, I feel like I know a lot more about music. The things that at first I didn't really grasp onto because I was young and I was just getting into whatever was out there. Those things all became very clear to me later on down the line. And um, this album is just beautiful and amazing and heavy and just hits all these great notes for me, for them. And, and it was, you know, once again, we're my current hometown of Houston, Texas. That's where King's X lived at the time. That's where they recorded this album. I think they, they lived here for a very long time and recorded a good bulk of their music in, uh, in Houston. And, um, it's just one of those albums that's just become a part of my life that, Songs from this album, I, I I may not have heard this album in in a year sometimes, and I'll wake up one day and I'll have, you know, uh, the fine art of friendship or Mr. Wilson. Mr. Wilson's in my head a lot. Like that's one that the, yeah. the chorus <laughs> of that song, um, that's a Ty Tabor song, or Tabor. I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly, but um, he's an amazing guitar player. One of my favorite guitar players. Um, so you'd think I'd know how to say his name correctly, but it's, you know, close enough. <laughs> but, um, and then you've got stuff like We Were Born to Be Loved, which We Were Born to Be Loved is like this amazing song that's got this cool, choppy, kind of heavy metal riff in it. But then the whole last half of the song is just them showing off how fucking technical they can get. And it's all these odd starts and stops at different times that you're just like, how do you, how can you even memorize how that goes? <laughs> but, um, but, and they still play that live. It's like, they, they refer to it as the showstopper because they finally, be, they show off a little bit. Um, but they're just an amazing band and they're an amazing band. Like I finished reading their, um, their biography, or I guess it's more of an autobiography. Um, and, and they talk about, their relationship with Pantera and how Doug and Dime were really close. And, um, and, and according to, to Dimebag's wife, King's X is one of the bands that Dime saw the most live. Wow. And, um, and, and so, and, and they talk about how they had conversations about, you know, about their music and, and, you know, King's X had already put out two albums by the time Cowboys from Hell came out. And so, um, the theory is that they're a big reason why things got more groovy because a lot of the stuff that King's X were doing had a good groove, but it was also heavy led to bands like Alice in Chains, you know, doing stuff like that. They were also fans. And so, um, they, they're kind of like the, the, I don't know about the godfathers of grunge. They were more like the the older brothers of grunge or something. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, but this album's amazing. And, um, um, it, when I, it was one of those things where I, 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 I switched it with rust in peace and like everything just felt right in the world. And I went, yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite album from 1990 and my favorite King's X album, faith, hope, love. And, uh, there you go. Boom. We did it. <laughs> Um, 1990, but before we go, we've already almost hit the two hour mark here, but we're not going to leave you without doing our honorable mentions. And so if you would like to, um, go into your honorable mentions, we will, uh, we'll quickly roll through those. Okay. I've got a lot of, uh, like big hair stuff in here, but like it's peppered with death metal at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Like uh, this this is going to be hilarious, right? Uh, after the rain, Nelson. 
So the the two most beautiful blonde bastards. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Apple by Mother Love Bone. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Brigade by Heart. Okay. Awesome, awesome album that one is. Uh Cause of Death, Obituary. Uh-huh. Uh that what that used to be pie. in my that used to be in my top ten, Cause of Death. That one got yeah. left out, um, and uh, oh. just because that's how life happens, folks. Chopped in heart, feel the blood spill from Don't finish the last word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Cherry pie by Warren. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had to include it. Yeah. Uh, Detonator by Rat. Eaten uh, back to life. Yeah. Cannibal Corpse. Bam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Empire by Queensryche. That was that one. That one blood. almost made made my honorable mentions, but got booted out. Nice. Uh, yeah, I got Flesh and Blood by Poison. Love here. it. Uh, Frizzle Fry by Primus. Oh, that's a good one too. Shit, see what I'm saying, folks? Yeah. So much good music came out of 1990. And I'm only halfway there. We got uh, Heartbreak Station by Cinderella. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In the Heart of the Young by Winger. <laughs> oh, God. Even the, even I, the I, album title doesn't do them any favors. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I got to say, their logo always kicked ass, which which is why it hurt me that they dropped it on their third album. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty rooted in the 80s, but you're an 80s band. Just fucking roll with it, dude. Yeah. Just, just fucking keep it. Um, Inside Yours by Gruntrack. Oh, that's a good one, uh, yeah. Yeah, Lights, Camera, Revolution by Suicidal yep. Tendencies. <laughs> Never Neverland by Annihilator. Mm-hmm. Painkiller by Judas Priest. Persistence of Time by Anthrax. Souls of Black by Testament. Ah, oh, yeah. Spiritual Healing by Death. Yep. Strap It On, Helmet. Oh, man. And the Ameri- that, hurt. That, was, yeah, <laughs> that was in my top ten, too. That hurt to get rid of it. Oh, man. And then finally, I got uh, The American Way here by uh, Sacred Reich. So that is, I think it's 20 or 21 honorable mentions because this is just such a great year for heavy music. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I whittled my down to five. And so certain things got left out. But my five honorable mentions are uh, Facelift by Alice in Chains, Lights, Camera, Revolution by Suicidal Tendencies, Cowboys from Hell by Pantera, Seasons in the Abyss by Slayer, and uh, the only one that nobody has mentioned that I love is Beg to Differ by Prong, um, and that uh, wraps up my top five. I had to leave out albums that I really like just because I, I had to tidy things up to 15 and just be like... And this, ladies and gentlemen, is why we upped it to, to 10. 10 instead of 5. <laughs> I mean, eventually, uh, when we go yeah. back and be like, we're going to do the, the albums from 1973, you know, I'll be all like, yeah, we could probably do a top three or top five from now. Because yeah. I, <laughs> I, I, there's not a whole, you know, to, when you, when you, once you get back into the early 80s and further back, that's when I'm like, yeah, there's not as many albums that really do it for me. So maybe it's yeah. easier, but maybe we'll just stick with the top 10 thing going on here because... Um, it gave us a much meatier episode. So those of you who love listening to this uh, podcast, you, you got more podcasts because we just jam packed it with all kinds of fucking albums. Hell to the motherfucking yeah! And so that's another <laughs> year ticked off the list of ones that we we haven't done yet. And um, 
Man, we so we've done. We, I think when we come next time, we got to go back to the seventies because I think we've only done one year in the seventies. Yeah, we should we should jump back. Maybe I feel I feel like we should do seventy seven just because it was a big really it was a big. I mean, it's the it's the the year of, of punk rock, you know, that you think of. True. So, um, but maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. I don't know. But first, we've got plenty of other things to get to first, and we're not gonna. I'm a, the, the only hint I'm gonna drop about the next episode of cranked and ranked is it's the beginning of a big one um you could say the biggest one and um yeah it's uh, it's an undertaking it's gonna it's not gonna be a one-parter but that's all i'm going to tell you and um it it likely it likely won't even be a (laughs) two-part it's gonna be a (laughs) 12-part series (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of two and a half hour long episodes on one band on on, on the production of uh, potato chips in the Midwest. Oh, all right, I'm okay <laughs> with that. I'd like some potato <laughs> chips. Anyway, so yeah, since since we've been here for over two hours with this year ranking, we we once again peanut butter platypus. To those of you who have lasted this long, thank you for listening. And um, if you're on uh, YouTube. Um, obviously down in the comments, just put your top 10 of 1990 and go subscribe to Eddie Sparks because, um, he doesn't have anywhere near the subscribers that he should have. In my opinion, I am the forbidden of YouTube. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you are. And, uh, and I, and I have to say that one, one of my favorite things that you've done recently is, is your drum cover of in the air tonight by Phil Collins. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is fucking great. Um, so go check that out, folks. But um, yeah. So uh, with that being said, do you have any parting words for our audience out there? Uh, oh, oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think you meant no. Um, Brain break. <laughs> so uh, on that note, we're, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, like I said, with a big one. And it's not my penis. And um, although that would be. <laughs> <laughs> flawless, flawless dick joke. Placement. That would be a one. I think that'd that would be a one parter for yeah. sure. I just know there's no. <laughs> it would be. A, it would just be a 10 minute podcast and just maybe not even 10, nine, nine and a half minutes. No, 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 I'm not. That's nothing to do with the actual length. <laughs> Oh, where did what where where did we go wrong? Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Um, you guys are amazing. We will see you next time. And as usual, I'm gonna toss it, my toss off over to <laughs> over to to Mr. Edward J. Sparks to take us out. <laughs> Later, dude. <laughs>